20 years ago, Seth Godin coined the term permission marketing, and he used it as the title of a book he was writing. In that book, he explained how the world was changing, that for the first time, thanks to the internet, he saw an alternative to the kind of marketing that had existed for hundreds of years. Interruption marketing is what we all grew up with. You're sitting there watching TV, you're enjoying your show, and then your viewing is interrupted by a commercial. Or you're flipping through a magazine, you're reading an article, you turn the page, and bam, a perfume ad. You flip again, and then you can finally get back to the article you were reading. Advertisers have been interrupting you, pulling you away from what you wanted to be looking at so that you could spend a few seconds looking at what they wanted you to look at. The idea being that eventually one of those ads would grab your attention. That ad would uh, eventually make enough of an impression on you to eventually lead to a sale. Interruption marketing was the way of the world. In fact, it still very much is, but it isn't as potent or as effective as the alternative. The alternative is permission marketing. Stick around. There's an old saying that goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who can see when shown, and those who will never see. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for everyone in the middle. Hey everyone, I want to thank you again for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly marketing podcast dedicated entirely to chefs and restaurant owners. Each week I choose a different topic, we explore that topic, we pick it apart, hopefully we come across some useful insights, and then we finish up with an assignment. I leave you with a short, actionable task, something you can do right away to start implementing some of the concepts we talk about here on the show. So here we are at episode number 20, and on today's episode, I want to talk all about the importance of permission marketing. So what is permission marketing? Well, Seth Godin defines it as this. It's the privilege, not the right, of delivering anticipated, personal, and relevant messages to people who actually want them. We are, of course, talking about building an email strategy, but it goes way beyond that, I think. It's about shifting your perspective. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of how to build an effective email strategy, I want us to pause and appreciate this seismic shift that's happened just over the past 20 years. Think about how many emails you get to your inbox every day from retailers and hotels, restaurants, authors, and, and so on. And then think about all of the other ways permission marketing has crept into our lives. The best example of this, of course, like I said, is email marketing. People sign up and say, yes, I want to hear about future events, future offers, about deals, promotions, whatever. But I think it actually goes way beyond that. So when Seth wrote his book way back in 1999, he couldn't have predicted how the digital world would take off and evolve. In fact, social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram, I believe, are examples of permission marketing. You follow a brand, effectively telling them, yes, I'd like you to keep me updated about what you have going on. I also think about news outlets. Uh, think about the push notifications you enable on your phone. The New York Times has a feature on their app that allows you to tell it when they should alert you. Or the ESPN app, I can tell it what teams I follow or what leagues I'm interested in, and then I'll get news updates about just those things. I'm telling the app I'm telling the brand, I'm telling ESPN how they can best interact with me. 
When I stop to think about that, I can't help but marvel at the beauty of it all. And it works both ways. I'm telling marketers what I care about. Don't bother me with this, this, and this. But this over here, this is something I am very much interested in. Amazon is constantly trying to understand your interests so that they can present you with other goods you might like. Uh, Spotify learns more about your taste the more you download and the more you listen to music on their platform. Just by subscribing to the service, you're giving them permission to do that. Uh, I think about the podcast app, Overcast, which is the one I like to use. It has a little pop-up that appears every so often trying to introduce me to other podcasts they think I might like. That's an incredible shift. And when done right, like I said, it is a win-win for both the marketer and the consumer because they're not interrupting you with crap you don't want. They're presenting you with things they're pretty sure you will like. And that's the key. So remember what we said uh, way back in the beginning. Marketing is all about serving an audience. It's about solving a specific problem for that audience. Do that and they will thank you. They thank you by buying from you. So you have solved their problem, this product, this experience, this meal. It has answered their prayers and so of course they will buy it from you. They will buy it from you gladly. The key to permission marketing is to build a following. Cultivate a passionate tribe of fans who love what you do and want to hear from you. Do that and it's going to be easier to sell to them down the line. Why? Because you have built up a great deal of trust between yourself and the consumers. Maybe you're not selling now, but when that time comes, you won't have to convince them to trust you. They will already trust you. You'll just have to convince them that your product is exactly what they need. So at a restaurant, you do that every single night, right? One table at a time, one dish at a time. You build up equity within your community by showing up, by doing the hard work, by taking care of the people who come to your restaurant. Permission marketing should be a crucial piece to your overall marketing strategy, especially email marketing. Why? Because if handled properly, your email list will help build trust, drive traffic, and ultimately generate more revenue. So in this week's episode, I want to walk you through five important areas that have to do with email marketing. Number one, collecting email addresses. Number two, how to build an effective email strategy. Number three, how to segment your list. Number four, retargeting your customers. And number five, how to integrate your list with Facebook. So of course, before we get into any of that, we have to choose an email service provider. And there are hundreds of companies out there, perhaps you already have an account started, but for those of you out there who haven't even started this yet, there are three that I always love to recommend. MailChimp, ConvertKit, and ZenReach. Of those three, my absolute favorite for restaurants is MailChimp. Why? A few different reasons. First, it's relatively inexpensive. In fact, it's free up to your first 2,000 email addresses and then very fair as you grow your list. In fact, I think it's $99 uh, for 10,000 names. And in the grand scheme of things, that's a pretty big list and not a lot of money, especially when you consider the kind of revenue that this thing can generate. I also love MailChimp because it's user-friendly. There are simple drag-and-drop tools with clean, easy-to-use templates. There are plenty of design flourishes you can use to make your emails uh, and even ways to, to create and save your own templates. Uh, it has great features when it comes to segmenting the list and adding tags. And if you don't know what that is yet, don't worry. We're going to cover that today on this episode. 
Uh, they've got great analytics tools to track your efforts. You can do A-B testing with creative or copy or images or subject line headings. And then finally, uh, it allows you to build landing pages when you're ready to turbocharge your growth. For now though, don't worry about landing pages. We're going to cover that in another episode all about content strategy, but know it's another tool that's available to you as you grow. Of course, you can choose whatever service you want. Even MailChimp has its limitations, but for most of you out there, I think it's going to serve you very well. So now you've decided you want to build a list. You've decided on an email service provider. The first thing you have to do, in fact, the most important thing you can do is to start figuring out ways to collect email addresses. Even if you don't know yet what you're going to do with those email addresses, just start collecting them. You should be doing this in a variety of ways. So the first way is on your website. I always recommend you add a form to the footer of your website. Just an elegant touch at the very bottom if people are navigating around your site and it's there on every single page. You should add it to your blog page if you have a blog page. If you don't have a blog page, you should have a blog page. Uh, it should be somewhere on your contact page. It can also be on your retail page, so you can make it so that all shoppers automatically get added to the list uh, during the checkout process. Uh, for example, Squarespace has a feature that does this. There's a box that's automatically checked, says, you know, do you wish to be added to the, to the email list? And then finally, the best way to collect email addresses uh, on your website is through a pop-up on your homepage. And I know it feels really itchy. You're going to, people look at me when I recommend this and they think I'm crazy, but it works and it's not as, uh, and it's not as overwhelming. It's not as intrusive as you think. It's just a little box, uh, an elegant box that pops up uh, that collects email addresses. So maybe you're going to offer a 10% coupon. Um, brands like Just Salad do this, or maybe you're just going to, you know, have certain copy that says, would you like to be kept up to date about uh, different goings-ons, about different events and, and promotions? Whatever it is, the copy that you put in that box has to be true to your brand. It has to fit within your uh, restaurant, um, but really consider putting a pop-up on the homepage. Uh, the second way is in-store, so on the property itself. Uh, you can do comment cards uh, when you drop the check. So a little comment card that asks for a name and an email address and maybe a couple of comments about the meal. It's a great way to do it. Um, if you've got a fast casual restaurant, you can do it at the register. Uh, maybe joining a loyalty program. Uh, it's a great way to just start collecting email addresses. And then it's a win-win. Uh, you know, buy 10 lunches and get your, uh, your 11th for free. Um, it's a it's a win-win for the customer and for the um, for the establishment. Uh, and then finally, I've seen this before, where uh, to access the free Wi-Fi in the restaurant, you have to input your uh, email address, and that's a great way to start collecting uh, email addresses. It's a it's a give and take. Uh, both sides get something out of it. Uh, the other way is through a reservation system. So whatever reservation system you use, if it's Open Table or Resi or Talk, whatever it is, you should be able to create a CSV file uh, and export those email addresses out of that program and then import them into your email service provider. So MailChimp has a way to pull them right into uh, into the list. Uh, and then finally, uh, I think of special events and different benefits. So here in New York City, there are a handful of big benefits hosted throughout the year. Uh, things like City Harvest and Meals on Wheels and the CCAP Gala. Uh, and then there's Taste New York that New York Magazine throws. And so these are big events that draw in some of the city's biggest chefs and many of the uh, area's most passionate diners. Each restaurant usually sets up a table and offers some little dish to give away to the guests walking around the party. So I would find a way to capture as many email addresses at those events as I could. 
Of course, for those of you not in New York City, you need to think about what uh, what kind of events are in your own community. What sort of events do you participate in? Even if it's just a block party or some, some kind of community event, uh, I think those are great ways, a great opportunity to connect with potential diners. So building your email list is the first step. You need to find a way to grow that list of fans. I've given you a handful of uh, ways to do it. Go ahead and think of others. In fact, if you do come up with others, uh, share them with me. Send me an email directly, chip at chipclose.com. That's C-H-I-P-K-L-O-S-E.com. I'd love to hear what's working for you guys. Uh, I will share them with the community at large. This is a great way that we can um, we can pay it forward. So you need to find a way to grow that list of fans, to identify who they are, who your fans are, and to have an easier way to communicate with those fans. So Seth Godin, again, he always says, the best day to start building a list was yesterday. The next best time is now. So that's where you start. Find ways to start capturing those email addresses. Number two, building an effective email strategy, right? So now you've implemented a bunch of ways to start collecting email addresses. You're starting to build your list. Hopefully that goes on autopilot. What's that next step? You have to find a strategy. You have to build a strategy. So keep in mind the importance of balance. There's a push and pull with any email list. For you, it's a marketing tool, a way to drive revenue and build a passionate following. But for the follower, the fan, the customer, the person that's giving out their personal contact info, they want to get something out of it. So as we start building a strategy, be mindful of that fact. Right before you hit go on an e-blast, ask yourself whether that particular campaign is respecting both sides of the equation. Now, an email strategy works best when you can be organized, when there's purpose behind your communications. So we're gonna start there. Let's get organized. I want you to put together an annual marketing calendar. This is just a simple document that's gonna map out all of your efforts throughout the year. I usually just build a simple spreadsheet in Excel where I can look at the entire year in one look. Uh, I make a, a section for every month. And this will become a key document to be shared among the various departments within the restaurant. It's easy to create a, a Google spreadsheet or an Excel spreadsheet or, or just add the spreadsheet to Dropbox to be updated from time to time. It's an internal document. Everyone's going to be able to look at this and see what's coming down the pike. Next, you're going to start by listing all of the seasonal emails that you typically send every single year. So I'm going to bet you send emails around the holidays. So Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, and so on. List all of those on the calendar. And then what other days do you want to promote? Probably Mother's Day or Easter or Fourth of July, whatever it is. You're going to add them to the calendar. Then start thinking about any promotions you may want to run throughout the year. For example, maybe you sell homemade chocolates for Valentine's Day and Easter and Mother's Day. You're going to list those as well. So now you've got some things on your calendar. It's a great start. Next, I like to identify some downtimes in your business. So maybe there's an opportunity to organize some unique programming. Maybe your slow periods are August, January, and February. All right, so maybe think about running some sort of promotion during those times. Add those to your calendar. So all of that is the easy part. Everything you've added to the calendar so far represents things that you want from your followers. Those are times when you're going to ask them for something. Buy this. Click here. Reserve now. But I want you to think about what your followers are getting from this exchange. They are all on your list to get what? Answer that question, and it's going to provide most of the other communications that you have with your guests. 
So maybe it's coupons or discounts or just updates or access, insights and education, whatever it is, think about how else you can use email to stay in touch. How else can you provide value? It might be something as easy as sending a photo preview of the new menu, show some of the hard work that's gone into developing the food and get people excited for the new dishes. So maybe four times a year, you send out an update with the new spring menu or the new fall dishes. Or maybe every so often you're going to share a recipe with them or photos from a special event you attended or an event you hosted. Or maybe it's a monthly email talking up some of the promotions you have going on, uh, certain specials, a happy hour discount. There's no right or wrong answer. The kind of place you have is going to inform the way you use your email list. So, for example, a fast casual restaurant is going to be able to do things that a fine dining restaurant cannot and vice versa. Like a, like a pizza place may run a different special every night of the week or they're going to run a new promotion every week this upcoming month. So letting people know about those discounts and promotions makes sense. But a high-end restaurant doesn't want to discount their product. They may not operate like that. So uh, perhaps on the other hand, uh, they like to work with different farms at different points during the year. So that might be something that worth talking about for them. So now, this last part is the most important piece to remember, and I left it till last because it's crucial. 70% of your email communications should be about providing value to the people on your list. Whatever that means to you, don't just sell, sell, sell. Make sure you're being generous as well. So, you've chosen your email service provider. You've decided to start an email strategy. You've gotten yourself organized, lay everything out on one calendar, and then you've discovered ways that you can create value for your list. That's perfect. The third part is to start segmenting the list. All customers are not equal. There are people who open up every single email you send, and there are people who ignore everything you send. There are people who will click through to read everything you send them, and there are people who will purchase often and visit your restaurant often, and others who only dine with you once in a while. So we need to start identifying who's who. That's how we start segmenting the list. Remember, knowledge is power, and the more information you can collect about your customers, the better off you're gonna be. So when guests are imported from your reservation system, for example, tag them with open table. If they're added to your list because they attended a, a fancy high-end wine dinner, make sure to tag them appropriately so you'll remember, Opus 1 2019. If they booked a private event with you, mark events and so on. This is how you start figuring out how these people came to you and how valuable they are to you. You'll also want to start segmenting the list based on who opens your emails and who clicks the links. So you want to be able to track uh, open rates and click rates. If there's a way to integrate with your e-commerce page, that's a great idea as well. There are tons of CRM software out there that allow you to track the value of a given name on your list. How many opens, how many clicks, how many sales, how much revenue has this one name generated? If you do have e-commerce on your site, make sure you're utilizing email communications to the fullest, meaning thank you emails and notifications saying when the order was shipped or when it was delivered and so on. You also want to start identifying then who your most valuable customers are, pull them aside, and figure out ways that you want to target them. There will eventually also come a time when you may not want to email your entire list, but only the most engaged users. And the way you can do that is by using segmentation. There are a variety of ways you can segment the list. Any good 
email service provider will offer you different ways to segment the list. So do your research and figure out um, and figure out how you can use it. But really think about segmenting the list. That's number three. Number four is targeting and retargeting. So if you've been segmenting the list, you'll know who likes what kind of content. So let's say maybe you sell chocolates on your website and you've identified five or 10% of your list that always opens the chocolate emails. When you have a new release, you're going to hit them first. Or when you've got a little bit of inventory that you've got to get out of there, you're going to hit them first before you email the full list. And really this has to do with list management because every time you send an email to the full email list, you get a certain amount of unsubscribes, right? That that people don't want to hear from you all the time. So you're respecting your list at large. This is how you do it. If you've tagged people who have attended wine dinners in the past, you might want to start by offering them access first to the next event you have coming up, again, before you hit the full list. And then when we get into talking about retargeting, right, there are all kinds of ways to track opens and clicks and a variety of ways that you can then use that information. So maybe you send an email to the entire list, but then only send a follow-up to the handful of people who opened that initial offer, right? This is how you're identifying a, a warm audience. So the full list was a cold audience. You tell them about a, a new uh, wine dinner that you've got coming on next month and 10% of the list opens that email. Maybe 5% click the link to go view details about it. So you've identified 5% of your audience who's really excited about that event. I would hit them again before you hit the entire list. And then finally, when we're talking about retargeting, uh, let's talk about abandoned cart emails. So then whoever you use for e-commerce, uh, you should have an abandoned cart email enabled, meaning uh, after 24 hours, if somebody has left something in their cart and not purchased it, uh, an email automatically generates and sends to them and says, hey, you, uh, you forgot this in your cart. And it's a great way to remind people that they were uh, interested in something, that they were looking at something. So that's number four, how to target and retarget people on your list. And then finally, number five is uh, how to integrate the list with Facebook. So there is a way of integrating your list on Facebook. If you want to run ads on Facebook, you could import your list and create an audience just of your email list. So Facebook will help find those people on the platform and show the ad only to them. So now your audience is seeing your product in both places. They got an email about it and then they're seeing ads in their feed about it. It's a very, very good way to keep reminding them. Even better, you can then create a lookalike audience from your email list. So you're telling Facebook to go find other people like these people. So you've imported your list, your email list to Facebook, you've created an audience and then you create a lookalike audience. And so they're searching out other people like those people. If you've been tagging and segmenting your list, you can also retarget here on Facebook uh, doing that. Maybe you send a follow-up email like I just described a minute ago, but then hit them again a, a few days later with an ad on Facebook and Instagram. These are all just tools available to you, and it's not that difficult to do, and it doesn't have to be all that expensive. So a few things to remember. Make sure all of your emails have a clear call to action. Make sure you're really clear on what you want people to do. All of your emails should be branded and consistent each and every time, and they should provide value to the users who receive these emails. Think about what your customers want most and try to provide that. So again, the five areas we covered were 
Number one, how to collect email addresses. Number two, how to build an effective email strategy. Remember, it all had to do with getting organized and laying out a big marketing calendar. Number three was all about how to segment the list. Number four was how to target and retarget customers who are on your list. And then number five, um, there are ways to integrate the list with Facebook. Finally, again, remember there are dozens of email service providers out there. The one that I love best for restaurants is MailChimp. That's the one I'm pushing on you. Uh, I've left a link in the uh, show notes uh, if you want to go check them out. It's uh, the, the platform is very easy to use. It's responsive and absolutely free until you reach 2,000 email addresses. And after that, the prices are very reasonable. Uh, again, the link is in the show notes, so go check it out. Your assignment this week is to research and sign up for an email service provider if you don't have one already. Start the account, add an email address, even if it's just your own, and send your first email just to make sure it works. That's all the assignment is. I don't think it's very hard. Continuing education this week uh, is the book Permission Marketing by Seth Godin. There's a link in the show notes as well. You can click there and get the book. Uh, it's uh, It's been on my top 10 list, but I think, it, uh, I think it's worth mentioning again. If you don't have it, you should get it. As always, I want to thank you guys for joining me. I appreciate you being here. It means the world to me. Uh, go out, do the assignment, pick up the book, and I will see you here next time. <laughs>